1: 18 plus. 18 plus. Daily Premier League action and reaction.
2: This is Football Social Daily.
3: Cool. Oh, God, it's cold. That's what we get for having our headquarters in the North Pole. Saves on saves on business tax and all that kind of thing. Let me just get into the log cabin that is Football Social Daily HQ. Oh, Oh, it's a little bit warmer in here at least. Welcome to the Christmas Day podcast, Football Social Daily, a very festive special. Let me get the fire started, actually. Because it's blooming freezing in here as well. That's better. Get that fire going. Oh, I can feel the warmth of that already. Lovely stuff. Hello, I'm Jim. This is Football Social Daily, the Christmas special in the sports social grotto where I will be spending Christmas along with some of my football social daily co-hosts over the next hour we're going to talk about the year that has been in football, the highs the lows and talking to some of the people who you will know from the podcast throughout the year as well all I have to do is sit here with my hot chocolate, very nice and wait for my first guests to arrive and it looks like they're already who's this going to be? Hey, it's Niall and Marley. Hello, boys. Happy Christmas. Hey, ho, ho, ho. Is that
4: what you're ho, supposed ho. to say? <laughs> I
3: think so. Would you like what I've done with the place? I've gone for a vibe somewhere between Santa's grotto and Hugh Hefner's grotto.
4: <laughs> yeah, you've ended up dying your beard white and now you look like Wayne Lineker. So <laughs> God never knows what's that, going on it? there. <laughs>
3: well, happy Christmas. Thank you for joining me for the Football Social Daily Christmas special. Plenty to celebrate. Another year of shows under our belt. A weird season of football and over one. Point two million listens to the podcast in 2020 as well
1: wow
4: that's pretty good i'm happy with that
3: yeah it's pretty good so thank you and thank you if you've listened to the podcast this year and contributed to that 1.2 million listens this is our christmas show we're going to look back at some of the highlights from the last 12 months of football some of the low lights as well with various people who've popped up on football social daily through the years Starting with the dream team, Niall and Marley. So my first question to you boys is going to be about your highlight of the year from a footballing perspective. What was the best? What was Where did football peak this year for you, Marley?
5: Oh,
2: well, Steve Bruce hasn't been sacked, so <laughs> I mean, well, at the time of recording, still five Steve days Bruce left, not been <laughs> sacked, so that would be my my ultimate Christmas present.
3: But um,
2: I don't know. Football highlight of the
3: year. It's a good job I didn't give you these questions in advance or anything like that to give you some time to think about it. We'll let you think on that for a second whilst Niall can go for his football highlight of the year.
4: Well, actually, I thought about this yesterday and I was all geared up for what I was going to say. I was ready to come onto this and say my football moment of the year was Leicester City 9, Southampton 0. And Ooh. I was sitting on that perfectly until about 10 minutes ago when I realised that game actually took place in 2019. <laughs> Don't know if I can claim it as a 2020 moment of the year, but obviously being a Pompey fan, seeing Southampton concede nine goals, the biggest home defeat in Premier League history. I was sat there rubbing my hands together with a little bit of glee. I was willing Madison on to score that free kick at the end as well to make it eight or nine. So um, yeah, that was a moment for me that I'm not going to forget as a, as a Pompey fan. I guess the moment for me of, of the year of 2020, I mean, Liverpool winning the league, just finally because it ends the Mm. oh it could be our year lads and then we don't have to worry about that ever again now you know ever since I've been growing up it's been a thing where Liverpool aren't going to win the league and they finally did it and and you know what as a football club and as a city where you know obviously they had Hillsborough in the late 80s and then they won the league in 1990 and then they they've kind of never done it since and I know they've been to Champions League finals and won one since then or won two since they won the league. But to finally do it was, I think, a feel-good moment as well because Liverpool are a dominating force in English football and they're a massive club, one of the biggest, some would argue the biggest in England. I'm not convinced of that personally, but there's no doubt they're at the top table and you know, for them to finally sort of announce themselves back on the stage was um, was actually quite a feel-good moment. So, yeah, I mean, the way that they've gone from sort of nearly rands under Jurgen Klopp and before that Brendan Rodgers and, and now they've turned it into, you know, the dominating machine that they are, I think it is kind of a bit of a heartwarming moment. So. Yeah, nice to see Liverpool finally do it. So I guess that would be the moment of of 2020. That and of course, fans returning to stadiums. It's been a long time coming. It was only a couple of weeks ago that we saw the first supporters in. Still not everyone's back, but hopefully that will be the case before too long where things kind of pick up. And now the vaccine's being rolled out, we might see more fans in stadiums soon. So, you know, that comes a very, very close second after everything that everyone's been through this year as well.
3: I think that was one of my favourite moments of 2020 so far. As you say, I only came a couple of weeks ago, but it was fans coming back into stadiums. I thought it would be a little bit of a damp squib, only having 2,000 fans in stadiums designed to hold 50,000. But some of the... and I wasn't privileged enough to be there, but listening to the coverage on the radio and watching it on TV as well, the noise that was made by those 2,000-odd fans who were delighted to be back watching football... Was something really special and kind of a little bit of a watershed moment in terms of where we're getting to and where we've come from this year as well. So that was one of my highlights. As for Liverpool, are they going to do it again? We said when they won the title that a good team wins the Premier League once, a great team wins it twice. Well, They're in a decent position so far this (laughs) season to do it again. Are they going to do it?
4: We'll see who's top at Christmas, Jim. That's what
3: you've got to say. But (laughs) it's (laughs) Christmas. That's the thing, isn't it? Although Christmas this year is only 12 games into a season. So it doesn't really, it's not the same.
4: Very, very true. I see what you're saying. And normally the barometer for Christmas is like halfway through the season, isn't it? But obviously not, not the case this time around. I mean, you can't look past them doing it again. I mean, considering the injuries they've had recently, and they've been able to still pull results out of the bag, and Jurgen Klopp's been saying that he couldn't have simply couldn't have done it without his youngsters. And they've really stepped up to the plate, and even like in the absence of Alisson, you saw Kaveen Kelly playing in goal, and I think they've done really well and, and you know you have to give credit to Liverpool for being able to keep that up and maintain that level of intensity and that, that level of performance and although Tottenham and Chelsea and maybe Man City will come roaring back and start sniffing around that top spot I still think you can't look past Liverpool mm. um, the hunger from last season I think is still there they've had adversity to deal with two big injuries to Van Dijk and to Joe Gomez at the back and um, Alex oxlade Chamberlain as well with a knee issue Thiago was is out for ages with a knee problem so Yeah, I mean, you can't look past them. They're still getting results with that. They're key players. So, I mean, I fancy them to do it again, personally.
3: Right then, Marley, you've had a bit of thinking time. Have you managed to come? I mean, I appreciate that for a man that deals solely in negatives, it's difficult to come up with a (laughs) footballing (laughs) highlight of 2020. But have you managed to work one out yet?
2: I have, yeah. I am negative in... in my coverage of, of Newcastle because there's not much else to be <laughs> there's not much to be positive about but also this whole year is is, is just one massive negative isn't it so it was always hard uh, to reflect on something that was so positive but when fans came back for the first time and it was the Charlton fans who managed to to wait for seven or eight months however <laughs> long it had been waited that long got back in the stadium and then managed to boo the team off of and the game. as well. Yeah, they, half of them went early and the other half stayed to boo them off. And I just thought that is petulance and a level of <laughs> of um, waiting for that chance and, and having that pent up anger and thought, sorry, I'm going to boo these lads off because they're rubbish.
3: Can you imagine that? Getting to a game for brilliant. the first time or the, the night before a game going, oh, I'm really missing booing my team. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm missing more than anything oh. is hurling abuse at my defenders. To be fair,
4: I am missing chanting... In the away end, about my own team. I do miss that a lot, I'll be honest.
3: <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the next bit. Well, I want to ask you well, there, there's always someone who's getting a lump of coal at Christmas. So this year, who is it for you from a footballing perspective? Who is on your naughty step? I'm going to come straight to you, Marley, because then you, if you say no, we can give you some thinking time and come back to you again. <laughs> uh, have, have you got anyone for your naughty step? <laughs>
2: I can't not say Steve Bruce.
3: <laughs> <laughs> your hands are going to be Steve Bruce for everything in some way. Yeah,
2: maybe. I can't. I can't promise I'll change. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I could go for something more serious, but I'd probably just go for for Bruce. I think.
3: Are you not being harsh on Steve Bruce? Because no. we were talking. We were talking pre-season about how Newcastle were going to do, and you were you were qu- quite pessimistic about your chances of even staying in the Premier League, at least from the results he has got. You are going to stay in the Premier League, even if it is by the skin of your teeth. So that's, that's surely that's achieving something. Well, yeah, but that's not the that's not the what what you want. You don't want to be. I mean, we've been back in the
2: Premier League now for three or four years after a season out, and you, you when you get to that that far into the second spell. You don't want to be aiming to survive. You want to be aiming to actually think. Right, we've got a good team here. Let's go and see where we can get. Let's try and get tenth. Or let's try and get comfortably surviving. You know, to get fifty plus points. And we never, I don't think we're ever going to do that because he's he's so negative that he thinks that that is basically that's what he's done all his career. He's he's fought relegation with crap Wigan, Hull. These Sunderland. These these play These teams have have never had any talent and. When you've put him in charge of probably his most talented squad, which he's got now, he's got, you know, 40 million pound Joelinton. I know he's he's not great. And you've got players like St. Maximin, Almiron, Fraser, Wilson, and we're still playing very negative football. And he's, he seems to be bowing to the system that Rafa Benitez left. And Rafa left with such a, a poorer squad than Bruce inherited. I mean, because Bruce has, has actually got a few players to make us more offensive and he just doesn't do it, so... For me, like a year of watching that. Is there there any
3: part of you that would like to see, if a new regime comes in, and we've talked about Newcastle takeovers a lot on the podcast over the last 12 months, if a new regime came in and said, right, we're going to have some faith in the manager, we're going to give him some funds to build the team that he wants to build, give him 300 million quid or whatever it is to invest in the playing squad. Is there any part of you that would like to see him continue in post or is that it? If, if it does happen, if a takeover happens, is it goodbye, Steve, welcome, I don't know, Thomas Tuchel or whoever you end up getting? <laughs> um, no,
2: not really because the I mean he's been in charge about 18 months now. And he hasn't shown any sort of willingness to go and attack games and to to use what he's got in an attacking sense. Like he plays, you know, Jeff Hendrick every week, and Jeff Hendrick is is a sort of solid but very unspectacular player. He doesn't really do much. He doesn't beat players. He sort of passes sideways and backwards from a right midfield role, and that isn't what you want from your wingers He doesn't show. You know, he's got Fraser on the bench. He's guy. Mm. He's he's not playing Saint maximin in his best position he's not been an his in his best position so if you give him more money that where he's not shown anything to the fans that would say you know if he if this guy gets backed he can do it if we were playing the best best sort of formation like a, a slightly more attacking formation and trying to create chances and, and getting picked off and getting beat three one three two kind of thing it, it would be almost as if you were saying like well if he has better players this system will work better but I, I still think he's got enough players to to go and attack games a little bit more. So if you mm. give him 300 million quid, I mean, how much would he, who would he buy? Does he even, you know, who would he go for?
3: he get some good bacon. Yeah, he
2: get some good bacon, <laughs> yeah. Some lovely kebabs, a few, few cabbages. He'd buy all the cabbages in Newcastle so no one could throw a cabbage
4: at him like they did at Aston Villa. Well, well, that's the thing, right? The fact that someone at Aston Villa threw a cabbage at his head... Normally, it's like toilet rolls or a bottle of piss or something like that. But cabbages are and f- heavy, man. Like, <laughs> if you get hit in the head with a cabbage, that is going to hurt. Someone was wanting to do some serious damage to Steve Bruce when that cabbage came flying in.
3: All those gangsters yeah, but- down in the East End filling their socks with cabbages to, to hit people <laughs> over there. Besides the Steve
2: Bruce, he said he probably wouldn't have even felt it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to who you're sticking on the naughty step then, Nile Marley's put Steve Bruce there. Who's
4: joining him? Uh, well, the person who's joining him is not actually a footballer, Jim, but they've been heavily involved in the goings on in our country in the last... 12 months. They've been heavily involved in the goings on for uh, football in terms of a restart for games when the coronavirus pandemic was on. And that is the health secretary for the UK government, Matt Hancock. And the reason I've put him on the naughty step is because can you remember when he called for Premier League footballers to have a pay cut? Can you remember that? Oh, yes. That is why I've. Seems put like him one on of the, the least step.
3: defensive things he's done this year, to be fair.
4: Exactly. I mean, he's a. So, I mean, I could put him on the naughty (laughs) step for absolutely anything. In my opinion, by the way, I'm sorry if anyone out there likes him. And it's just a matter of my opinion, which we should make that clear. I hope he leaves... Um, Miles'
3: views are not the views of Football Social. I hope he leaves a review
4: on Apple or something like that now. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think what he said there was just such a throwaway comment and for someone who gets paid as much money as he does running the country, when I think he's not done a particularly good job as health secretary in dealing with this pandemic to then call for players to take a pay cut when actually a lot of the wages that players have been paid were being channeled into charitable causes mm. anyway. Um, I just think it's tone deaf. I thought it was silly of him to say it and he, he rightly got the backlash for it. But to bring it back to football in terms This made me cringe harder than anything I've seen in 2020. And that takes some doing because there's been some absolutely shocking content on the internet this year. I don't know if you boys saw it, but it must have been some sort of behind-closed-doors government football match where Matt Hancock was with an opponent and the ball was (laughs) in the air. And they were both challenging for the ball, if you can even use that word. Hancock's opponent gets up, heads the ball. Hancock stood there in his green kit looking like uh oh, just i don't know i can't even explain what he looks like a naked mole rat is the best way to describe <laughs> it as he cowers away from headering the ball um and that for me is why he should be on the naughty step um he's one of those people that when you see his face you can't help but feel frustration and annoyance towards people uh, towards him personally anyway so yeah that that would be my person to go on the naughty step would be the health secretary of the uk
3: It was a bit of a derp face to put Phil Jones to shame that he was pulling at that point as well, wasn't it, as he cowers away from the ball.
4: It's so embarrassing and cringy. Do you know what the worst thing about Matt Hancock is? Go on. He supports Newcastle. Does he? Oh, Marley. Oh, my God. Respect Newcastle has gone down.
3: Wow. Wow. Right. Very final question before I let you boys loose to enjoy your Christmas. You get one footballing wish for 2021 as it's the festive season you can make a wish upon the christmas star and it will come true what's your one wish for the next year niall
4: oh well obviously pompey to get promoted back to the championship that's my wish we were top of the league this time two years ago bottled it in the playoffs we were in the playoffs last year didn't manage to get through and go up to the championship so that'd be my one footballing wish from a selfish point of view from a personal point of view Yeah, it's been 10 years since Pompey were relegated from the Premier League. Obviously, we've seen what's happened in the 10 years since then with things like Leicester going on to win the title, Liverpool winning the title for the first time in 30 years, Manchester City setting record points totals and and the rest of it. So, you know, the the game's exploded in that decade. In 10 years, the money's gone through the roof. The signings have been more exciting. The coverage has gone exponential all around Mm -hmm. the world. And obviously we get a chance to talk about that every day on the podcast on Football Social Daily. So the fact that you can talk about West Ham, the fact that Marley can talk about Newcastle, the fact that Steve can talk about Liverpool and everyone else can talk about their clubs. And, you know, I'm sat here talking about my team still in League One. I'm not so much craving to get back to the Premier League, but to get back into the championship, at least being with a shout of playing against some some top teams again. That would be very, very satisfying indeed. So that would be my one football wish would be for Portsmouth to finally get promoted out of the basement. Back to the championship. In terms of a Premier League wish, oh, just can VAR. That's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> Forget Mariah Carey. I just want VAR gone. That would be Get it. rid of it
3: completely. Not try and get it right. Just get rid.
4: I think there should be a vote on it. I think there should be a vote on it. So I could accept if Premier League clubs all sat in the room like they do often, like they did with the EFL bailout recently. 20 clubs, all the chairmen sit in a room and the chief execs, they... they You know, club together and put their heads together, and they decide what's best for the future of the Premier League. And, you know, if there's 14 people that vote yes, we're going to keep it, then we keep it. But, I mean, they would have every- think
3: though. I think I think a vote would just keep it going. I don't think there's going to be a situation where it goes. I just think we're too far down the line and you can't now get rid of it Are and go back to what been there was two before.
4: We're I just only in think our it, 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 of it. it
3: was always going to be a watershed moment once it was introduced there was never going to be able to go any going back from that. So I think we're stuck with it and I think if you had a vote people I mean it's not right at the moment 100% but I think it will always be there in some form. And I think Premier League clubs would probably support that.
4: Yeah, fair enough. You know, that would be my wish. I mean, I don't like VAR. I've never advocated it from the day it was kind of mooted that it could Mm. be introduced. So, I mean, I'm not going to do a U-turn on that now and say that VAR has changed my mind because it simply hasn't. And I think because we talk about it so often on the podcast, that kind of proves my point there. Even though that's an unlikely Christmas present, you know, that's something I would want. Another one would be something Marley touched upon earlier. Stop being racist. Just stop. (laughs) please I mean stop even doing anything that could potentially be purported to be racist you know Marley mentions the Millwall fans booing the players taking the knee and the narrative was from those supporters that did boo that BLM has been hijacked by a political organization forget that I mean does it really mean that much to you that the players kneel that you have to boo like
1: Mm.
4: all it is is players getting down on one knee they're not defunding the police or they're not attacking capitalism they're not doing it they're not supporting it for that cause why do we need to congratulate Millwall for the way they dealt with it second time around we don't that should just be how it should have been done in the first place so yeah I mean for me that's that's one thing that I'd love to see stamped out I think everyone would love to see that stamped out at least anyone who's got a a modicum of you know sympathy and empathy for those who have suffered with issues of abuse in the past. So so yeah for me that would be another thing so I know I'm probably writing a scroll out as long as Father Christmas is arm of all the things I want to be uh, given this year as a Christmas present but the mm. main one would be Pompey getting promoted and then of course two smaller ones VAR being uh, removed from the game but more importantly racism
3: I mean miracles are really possible so I think if we're going to pick one we have to pick the more realistic out of the two so we'll go for the end of racism rather <laughs> than Pompey getting promoted <laughs> Mar- Marley what's your uh, Christmas wish
2: oh where do we start? I've got a few. Bruce sacked. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eddie, Howe. Eddie Howe <laughs> appointed. Jurgen Klopp to stop moaning at Chris Wilder every chance he gets over random things like, you know, everything he can possibly think of uh, with scheduling and, uh, and squad rotation and subs and everything like that. VAR to stay, but the rules to be more fair to everyone in terms of soft penalties and. Ridiculous handball rules. That's probably the one thing. To be fair, the, the handball rule and the offside thing to be cleared up a little bit more, um, and to not not see players get caught offside by the shoulder that they didn't even score with or something mm. like that. Like the Bamford one against Crystal Palace uh, a while back was was a joke. And there's been a few decisions like it. But all all sorts of things. they're probably out of all of them for the good of the game, probably the the offside slash handball rule with the growing. Pattern in the game coming in that you can smash a ball from two yards away at a defender, and if he's got his hand by his side, it'll probably get given as a penalty under the under the laws of the game. I think that's stupid. I think we're we're cutting off our nose despite yeah. facing that kind of like yeah. that, that kind of situation because it's only a matter of time before people get um, get caught doing it and then really kick off that, you know, everyone sees that it's just, it's not really fair on the defender who d- literally didn't have a, have a chance because he was trying to get his arms behind his back or something like that. Yeah, a few i mean can i wish for more wishes so all these things can can happen can i do that it's always thing? good to have a
3: few things on your christmas list a few like a, a big long list because then you know you're probably gonna at least get one of them even though i had massive christmas lists when i was growing up and still never got a mr frosty <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean hopefully something's it's come good to see the
4: scars still <laughs>
3: very much so uh, <laughs> gentlemen go and enjoy your christmas go and drink and be merry uh thank you very much for joining me in the grotto
4: yeah a Merry Christmas to you Jim thanks for everything um, over this year 2020 being involved with Football Social Daily and thanks to everyone who listens as well it's been a pleasure to be a part of it and we'll carry on as long as the people are enjoying Football Social Daily we'll continue for as long as we possibly can so thanks everyone thanks for featuring on the show as well and thanks everyone who's left a review and uh, listened to any podcast we really do appreciate it
3: nice one guys see you later bye cheers bye Bye. See see ya lovely stuff lovely start I wonder who's going to be joining me next in the sports social grotto we'll find out after this football's
2: social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode
3: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm in the Sports Social Grotto. I'm Jim. I'm just sat on my own here, just waiting for someone to turn up and spread some Christmas cheer. Oh, as if by magic, there's someone at the door now. Let's find out who this is. Hi, Stephen and Ant. Hello, boys. How you doing?
5: Hello. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas.
3: Merry Christmas. Obviously, we're in the North Pole here. There aren't any restrictions on travel between tiers so we're all right we're all okay we're safe side of the law but thank you thank you for visiting me in my christmas grotto
5: you're welcome it's uh you've really gone to town with the decorations jim Thanks, mate. Can I get either of you a drink? Uh, I'll have a 0% Heineken, please. 0% Heineken. And? Uh, is there a vegan equivalent of eggnog? Uh, <laughs> is that actually egg in eggnog? Yeah, I would, I would assume, uh, isn't it just some kind of batter? Anyway, I think we're going slightly off topic. Just yeah. uh, just a Coke will do.
3: Alright, a Coke. <laughs> all right, okay, good. Because it is quite early. So I'm glad you've both gone for the non-alcoholic option. I'm going to get stuck into my Baileys, if that's alright. <laughs> it's Christmas, after all. Typical West Ham
6: fan.
3: <laughs> Can't be too early on Christmas Day. So, welcome to the grotto I've got some crackers here for you to open each cracker's got a football related question in it for you to answer so are you ready for the first one yeah you pull this one with me Ant alright okay so this one there's a little motto inside it says it's a time for gifts and Christmas cheer who's been your footballing hero of the year there's a Cliff, Cliff
5: Richard song that's taken straight off. <laughs> Steady.
3: <laughs> right, so other than Cliff Richard, who's been your Christmas hero of 2020? And
5: I think there's, there's only one person it can be. And technically, as a City fan, it should pay me to say this, but Ooh. he's done such an amazing job, um, it doesn't even ha- make me wince to say it. It's got to be Marcus Rashford, or yeah. should I say Marcus Rashford MBE, uh, no doubt, uh, by the time we, we, we're all back to whatever is the new normal, he'll probably have done something else, to become sir. But quite simply, a, a young footballer should be out crashing cars and getting in trouble with wives <laughs> and girlfriends and, you know, breaking uh, restrictions of what's going on and where he's supposed to be, not actually doing something good for the community and really helping out people that are very in need. And not only that, but making not just a politician, but a prime minister and an entire government change their mind and go back Mm. on their word not once, but twice. So Marcus Rashford, hands down, hero of the year. It's been
3: absolutely incredible what he's done this year. I mean, it's nice to see a footballer using their platform for good, but a footballer that's not only used their platform to, not just action social change, but action political change is virtually unheard of. My favourite bit of the whole Marcus Rashford story in 2020 was when he appeared on the news wearing black fluffy (laughs) slide-on slippers, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. It's like complete disregard for the footwear etiquette of appearing on the news. Uh, Steve, who would be your hero of 2020?
6: I I did have Marcus Rashford down for it. I don't think there's any other choice. It's difficult to argue against it? It's very difficult, but for the purpose of entertainment, I'll throw an alternative up because it's very clearly Marcus Rashford, but for the pure sake of sport... Um, let's just kind of say mine, mine would be would be Jordan Henderson
3: I knew it would be Jordan Henderson
6: yeah absolutely I think you know the guy is in the 30th year of, on the planet and it's took him that long for him to be recognised for the footballer and human being that he is and he's proved all his doubters wrong and his influence is now very very apparent on a football pitch when he plays and um, I just think that you know he's, he's going to go down as, as one of the decorated captains of the football club so I just think that for me just as an alternative to Marcus Rashford before I start getting hammered by the City and United fans uh, for for, for that, I think um, I, I will just give us an alternative for it, just for sport.
3: At the end of 2021, when we do this show again, how many Premier League titles will Jordan Henderson have? How many medals will he have in his cabinet?
6: Well, he'll have another Premier League title, that's for sure. Yeah, he'll have two, and hopefully another Champions League in summer.
3: I'll have to wait and see whether that prophecy comes true. Let's do another cracker, though. Steve, you can open this one with me. Okay. Take the, uh, take a hold of that, and hold the cracker
6: as well. And <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, Ann, you can tell Jim's out of drink, can't you? Jim's getting very loose, <laughs>
3: bit B- handsy. <laughs> oh, yeah. right, right, give, him, give him a pull on the cracker. Right, there we go. Let's see what this one says. This one says, Christmas is a time of plenty, but what will you take away from 2020? So I think this is talking about a festive highlight. What has been your highlight of the year. A year of low lights, undoubtedly, but there must be something that you'll take away as a positive from this year from a footballing perspective, Steve.
6: Oh, This is really, well, it is and it isn't really difficult as a Liverpool supporter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, because I'm going to be so biased on the thing. And again, you know, I welcome the reviews coming in. But for me, um, 24th of June, uh, Anfield Stadium, Liverpool 4, Crystal Palace nil. I think that that was the moment when we knew that, that we'd done it. Um, obviously Man City went to Chelsea the night after and, and lost 2-1 um, but I think that that was the, the moment where we thought actually it's done um, you know I mean it, it, it panned out the word is we didn't actually have to win another game really and we still would have been champions but um, I think that that moment amongst you know me and the Liverpool fans, that was the point where we thought, oh, yeah, we, we've actually got over the line. And I think that feeling after thirty years of of not doing it, and and yes, obviously there was plenty of trophies along the way, um, but that was the one that we wanted. And, and and on that Wednesday night, let me tell you, the, the feelings were were, were were incredible. So for me, rather biasly and, and quite indulgently, but let's be honest about it, that's what the listeners are used to when you hear me on the podcast. <laughs> um, it's 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 when we 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 cemented. Um, uh, you know, number
3: 19. I didn't mind Liverpool winning the title. I know a lot of people seem to get quite upset. Because the by season it. didn't count, that's why. Well, <laughs> well, do you know what? I like it when there's a changing of the guard. I think it's nice when new pretenders come in and the same with Manchester City when they won the title for the very first time. It was nice to see someone else who wasn't the same old, same old challenging at the top of the table, which is why I think this season looks quite exciting with potentially a Spurs or a Chelsea pushing Liverpool all the way to that title next year we'll have to see what happens in that one as a Manchester City fan though Ant by the high standards that have been set in recent years I guess it's difficult to find a club highlight from the last 12
5: months I mean there was there was that uh, blatant disregard of the guard of honour uh, from Bernardo Silva <laughs> yeah, sort of, uh, yeah. drinking a cup of tea oh, when Liverpool came came to the stadium. was classless. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- from a club point of view, but in terms of the year as a whole, what I've gone for is something that actually sums up not just the football season, but like the year we've all experienced. And yes, obviously, you know, um, I can appreciate why Steve's gone there, but I think there was one moment which really summed up 2020. And, um, well, it was the first match back after the Premier League restarted in June. And it was the very first game where we saw all the players take the knee before kickoff. Mm. But that's not my moment. I mean, that was very powerful. It really was. Uh, Because both of those things were overshadowed by the ultimate you-had-one-job moment. End of the first half, Villa keeper uh, catches a free kick. I think it was from Oliver Norwood. Falls backwards into the goal, carrying the ball over the goal line by about two feet. The referee doesn't get a signal on his watch to say it's a goal, so it allows people to play on, and VAR don't review it because they believe in the technology so much, it can't Mm. fail. And it leads to all sorts of things happening, including the fact that, you know, because it was the first time such an error had occurred in more than 9,000 matches using the system. Um, But then a statement was released where Hawkeye said it unreservedly apologised, as if Hawkeye was a person, or an actual computer with a personality. He's he's like
3: one of the Marvel superheroes, isn't he? (laughs) He He's he's the one... He does the goal line technology, and you've got
5: Wolverine. He does VAR. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think in terms of the year that we were having, it was the football equivalent of finding out that Santa doesn't exist. Because up until that moment, it was the one thing where everybody went, well, you know, VAR, will get it right eventually. Because look Mm. at goal line technology. Goal line technology, it's always going to work. It's always going to be there. And uh, the other thing from it was they said it didn't work because the six cameras uh, that we have couldn't see the ball crossing the line even though there was six other angles where everyone could see it crossing.
3: Interesting comparison, comparing it to finding out Santa doesn't exist as well. Let's hope that never happens, because he 100% does exist. Let's do another cracker.
5: That would would ruin everything. You can pull this one out. All right, uh, I'm going both. Double-hander, this one.
3: Right, thank you very much. (laughs) Nice to you both wearing very erotic. (laughs) (laughs) Let me read the motto in this one. This one says, managers are used to getting flack, but who'll be the first... To get santa's sack so who's gonna get the boot first we've obviously seen one manager get the boot so far in Slavon bilic at west ham replaced by sam allardyce with mixed results so far so who's gonna get the boots next who do you thinks days are numbered you can go first on this one out
5: well uh, looking at the table and there's only one name that stands out even in the whole bottom half and it is traditional at this time of year to see a man uh, uh, in red and white get the sack um, but I'm not talking about Chris Wilder at Sheffield United I'm talking about the other team uh, that wears red and white that uh near the bottom yeah, of okay. the league Jürgen oh uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, that is Arsenal and mm. Mikel Arteta now I like Arteta I really do I think he was a class player uh, I think he's you know d- done great things as a, as a in management as well even though you know he's only just starting out and he's f- uh, top job, top top job dob. career. But it, as as an assistant, he was a crucial part of uh, City's back to back Premier League wins. Um, but when I look at just the rest of the teams around, he's the only manager in the bottom half of the table that's got to be nervous right now, mm-hmm. and because uh, I think. Uh, Sheffield United have shown faith in Chris Wilder. I think uh, Brighton are very happy with Graham Potter and what he's doing there. Sean Dyche has got the job at Burnley as long as he wants it. Newcastle are not going to get rid of Steve Bruce because Ashley doesn't want to bring anybody else in. And just looking around, you go, Roy Hodgson is just there until he leaves, basically, at Crystal Palace. I can't see that that changing anytime soon either. So it comes back to uh, Arsenal and Arteta. Now, I think Arsenal really believe in him and... They've obviously backed him over leaving Ozil out of the squad. But at the minute, that lack of a player like Ozil in the team seems like the one thing that they really need. And as much as the, the niceness is there and as much as the, the fan TV hasn't quite got on his back, I, I don't think Arsenal will stand for it if they slip down any further and find themselves in that relegation zone. Mm.
3: It's a dodgy old period for Arsenal and things don't look like they're getting better anytime soon. Can you see beyond Mikel Arteta as the next manager to get the boot in the new year, Steve?
6: Unfortunately, I can't. And, you know, we've talked about it. Well, we've talked about it a a bit in recent weeks, haven't we, on the podcast? And I just think that it's a shame, really, all round, because... He was brought into Arsenal as this kind of young, progressive coach who had just uber success at, at Man City as Pep's number two, and certainly responsible for a lot of the day-to-day stuff on the training ground and stuff like that, and very highly thought of other the players. So I think he was appointed with very, very high hopes at Arsenal, and I think a few of us at the time went, Phew, that's a shrewd appointment," you know, when they did it, and. It's it's a funny one because managers live or die by the results. That there is no getting round that, and ultimately the book does stop with them. But I'd feel as mitigating circumstances where Mikel Arteta's is concerned. I think you know he's inherited a squad, um, and yes, he has signed players in the last you know twelve months. There is no doubt about that. Um, but I think he's largely inherited quite an unbalanced squad, and he's mm. he's he's inherited a squad that has a very obvious cultural issue. As um, the fact that a lot of them don't and that is not an easy thing to do. into not a very transfer, festive just... word,
5: Steve. <laughs> I apologise. I mean, if you sprinkle, sprinkle some tinsel on it.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I'll put some, uh, uh, you know, reindeer dust on it. But um, I just think that all them circumstances are going against Mikel Arteta. He can't fix it in in two transfer windows, which which he's mm. had. And um, I just hope they stick with him um, because, you know, earlier on we were saying, you know, Arsenal playing good football, they're getting some decent results. You know, the the, the record at the Emirates was very very were good. Green
3: shoots there, weren't
6: they? Exactly. And I just think that. I hope someone at Arsenal is brave enough to go, you know what, let's kind of stick with this because United have give have given that Joker two years in the job so far. And um, you know, the, if they win the the game in hand, I think what are the three points behind uh top place in the Premier League? And I think yeah. we're all gobsmacked at United that let's be honest about it. Um but I think that the, the proof is in the pudding where they've gone actually, we've took a lot of flack over the two years because we've had some real lows, but there's definitely signs that, that there's um, a recovery underway at United, um, and if he picks up a trophy this season and finishes in, and finishes second, for example, I think you know they'll be very optimistic. And I think that Arsenal have got to look at that and just go, let's keep a bit of faith with him, and mm. through good times, bad times, let's give the lad two or three years in the job. Uh, but I just can't see it. I think they'll bottle it. Um, and I think, you know, I do agree that he will be the first name uh, to probably go in the new year at some point. And I think it depends where Arsenal are. If Arsenal are 15th, 16th, with 10 games left and it's, and it's squeaky bum time, I think they'll make a change. And I think they'll probably move for Allegri, um, who's been out of a job for a little bit now. Because um, I think the other manager that seems to be in vogue, I mentioned with all the other top jobs, Pochettino, probably won't go to Arsenal. So... Um, Very, very um, troubling times, and and I feel for him because I genuinely think there's a good coach in
1: there,
6: Mm. uh, stroke manager, whatever his job title is, and um, uh, Mikel Arteta, to agree with Ant.
3: They did know it was going to be a risk Arsenal and they knew it wasn't going to be the safest appointment and there was a certain amount of rebuilding to do. So I just hope they do give him the time because, I mean, it, as hilarious it would, as it would be to see Arsenal get relegated, I don't yeah, think they, it's going to happen.
5: They will give him the time. Right, it's three o'clock. You've got half an hour to clean your desk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe so. And speaking of which, I think I should let you boys go
3: and Enjoy your Christmas. So, thank you very much for visiting me in the grotto. Go about your day now and happy Christmas.
6: Oh, happy Christmas to you two, boys, as well.
3: Big Christmas hug. Ah, lovely. Lovely. Shut the door on your way out. Don't let the heat out. See you later. Bye, Santa. Bye. Bye.
6: Bye. I'm not Santa.
3: (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Off they go. Into the snow in the North Pole. But I can't see the weather out there putting off a few more guests to join me over the next few minutes. Plenty more to talk about from this year, and hopefully, another visitor to the Christmas Grotto in a bit.
2: Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates, and match reports now.
1: Head to sport social.co.uk.
3: Oh, welcome back to the Christmas Grotto. I can just smell the mince pies roasting, but oh, there's somebody at the door. Who's this? Let's see who's next visiting me. Hey, it's JP and Matt. How you doing, boys? All right, Jim. Santa Jim. How's it going, mate? Santa Jim. It's just because just my beard's gone white. It's the stress <laughs> of 2020. It's nothing to do with being Santa. Thanks for coming and joining me in the Christmas Grotto. Appreciate the visit on Christmas Day. I've got a couple of letters for you boys to answer, because as is the tradition at Christmas time, children up and down the land like to write a letter to Football Social Daily, the podcast, and ask a footballing question. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, before we get on to that, I was just curious as to whether either of you had a footballing highlight of 2020. There's been plenty of lowlights this Mm. year, but is there something that you'd class as a highlight, Matt?
7: Yeah, there is. Do you want me to elaborate on that now? (laughs) Yeah, please. It'd be a bit boring
3: if you just went, yeah.
7: (laughs) (laughs) My footballing highlight of 2020 might seem small in terms of um, the achievement, but it was watching Man City lift the League Cup Mm. at a full stadium at Wembley in March before, obviously, all the lockdown came in. It was our um, highlight of the season, or um, the only trophy we won, and plus the fact it was a full stadium as well. That's my highlight of uh, 2020. Do
3: you feel still feel a sense of accomplishment winning the League Cup because it is it's the lesser of the competitions, isn't it? But it is also the competition that Man City have kind of made their own.
7: Absolutely, and it was one that um, David Silver wanted to win in his last season, and to see him lift it as captain, you know, that was um, that was nice knowing it was his last season as well, and. You know, we have got recently, especially, we've got a a good history in that competition. And with the result against Arsenal, we could be going to a fourth straight one.
3: And interestingly, there could be fans there as well. There's suggestions that they might postpone the final to a point maybe after Easter when hopefully fans can get back into stadiums and it could be played somewhere potentially outside London. Yeah,
7: um, they said they're pushing it back towards April time. So, you know, if that's what they wanted to do in, in order to try and maybe get fans in the stadium, then yeah, I'm all for it. JP, what about you? Have you got a footballing
8: highlight from the year? Yeah, really the sublime and the ridiculous for me. Um, you know, I'm you know for a fact I'm going to shoehorn in here Celtic's quadruple treble. Of course. <laughs> 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 um, now we could dedicate the whole podcast to that, but I'll move on. World record, all the rest of it. But I think um, a, a couple of things. Uh, I, without going too deep into it, a footballing highlight. I think um, off the pitch was was Marcus Rashford showing us what footballers are capable yeah, of. a common highlight that
3: for a lot of people.
8: Massively, you know, he wasn't recruited to front a campaign, and it came at a time I think football and the Premier League in particular needed a reality check, and to uh, show him that uh, these things are still capable of our sporting heroes. I think it was it was a highlight for me but on the pitch um if 2020 was a football moment could be summed up that just brought a smile to everybody's face I think the highlight for me was Matt Ritchie's off the face OG versus Fulham last week <laughs> <laughs> that uh, if 2020 as a year was a footballing moment that was it
3: it reminded me a little bit of was
8: it was it Matt Taylor in
3: playing for Newcastle when mm. he was on the goal line and kind of did diving save to prevent a goal and then kind of fell down like he'd been shot in the face.
7: Oh yeah. When the ball hit him in the chest. It was
3: kind of a similar action to that. Wasn't it Matt Ritchie's own goal?
8: It was like that. uh, It was like that famous scene in Platoon when Willem Dafoe's (laughs) on his knees and he falls backwards.
3: (laughs) Well, nice highlights, boys. Let's get on with answering some of these letters that have come in from genuine children up and down the UK. The first letter that's come in is from Sally, age six and a half. She says, my Christmas wish is to know which Premier League football manager would you say is most like an item of Christmas dinner and why are they like that item of Christmas dinner? <laughs> JP, you can go on this one. I'm tackling all the big questions on this special festive show.
8: Yeah, I like it, man. Paxman-esque. So I've got a couple here, if you'll indulge me for oh, two seconds. On. Um first is Big Sam. Sam Allardyce, just back in the scene. Like the Brussels sprout. Now, <laughs> you don't think or talk about it all year round. <laughs> then boom, <laughs> out of nowhere, it's forced upon you by someone, right? Now, again, the same as every other year, it keeps coming back. Nobody really likes it. Now, Jim, I know you had a wee uh, tweet about this the other day there, but never actually says so. So as a result, it keeps coming back time and time and time again. But inevitably, it only does two things. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth when it arrives <laughs> and a bad smell when it exits. I have
3: to say, with the Brussels sprout thing, it is like Sam Allardice because there are a few people who like it, but they're definitely
8: in the minority. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm feeling that one. Fair point. And, uh, and the other is Miki He's the parsnip. Looks great at the start. It's fresh and and something a wee bit different. But if you leave it in your plate too long, it all goes horribly long, cold, mushy, and useless. Great answers, JP. The the bar's That's been that... set high, man. Oh, here. absolutely. But he's already
7: took one of mine. I was going to say Sam Allardyce. Oh,
3: what, what, what were you comparing Sam Allardyce to?
7: I was going to compare him to the turkey on the plate because it's traditional when it comes to uh, English Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. and it also gets better with a lot of gravy on it. And Sam Allardyce <laughs> is the kind of guy that strikes me to like a lot of gravy. Yeah,
8: Sam Allardyce. I reckon he's straight out of the gravy boat on Christmas Oh, Day.
7: I reckon he drinks pints of it, me.
8: Uh, do you know who else was actually talking about gravy? Brendan Rogers came into my head as well, because he is the gravy. No matter what's going on, he wants to pour himself all over it and make a mm. all about him.
1: <laughs>
3: Some good Christmas dinner football manager comparisons there. We'll move on to the next letter that's come in this is from little tommy age i don't know age two let's say genuine letters like i say Uh, it says dear football social daily christmas is a time for giving so who from the world of football would you like to send a present to and what would you get them that they really really need so matt you can go first on this one
7: the present i'd like to get um a football manager would be to jürgen klopp now there's a few comparisons about his um his new veneers looking like um, one of Mr. Ed. So I would like to get Jurgen Klopp some new veneers that slightly less resemble that of a horse.
3: OK, I could see that being a very a decent gift to give him. A bit of humility as well, yes, I think, that Eamon Klopp could do with in terms of having a gift. JP, what do you want to gift a member of the footballing paternity?
8: Well, actually, I'm going to be very generous as it's a season for giving, and I'm going to give this gift to everyone involved in the Premier League, on the pitch, off the pitch, and in punditry, whoever faces a microphone or a camera, and it's a thesaurus. Because I cannot stop anyone using any more of the lazy non-descript cliché catch-all term quality in particular shira genus keon and all the rest of them Talk about the specific attributes and characteristics of a player or team. Stop calling everything or they lack quality here or they've got great quality there. It's so lazy and nothing. And honestly, now that I've pointed out to you, listen for it. You'll hear it about eight or nine times every single match analysis any of them do. Probably largely on this podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I do like a football cliche every now and again. I kind of I feel an element of warmth. I like mm. when you're when you're watching commentary and you get a player that does something wrong and you get the commentators going oh you wouldn't get that from your Scholes's and your Beckham's and, your... <laughs> and I like the use of classing players as multiples so I like the old football <laughs> cliche every now and again
8: yeah there's multiple term you put an S in the end of someone's name I know it's like whenever they start using quality or do they have enough quality or they've got great quality it reminds me of you know that scene in the IT crowd when, uh, when they go to an Arsenal game and they're sitting in the crowd <laughs> pretending and they've actually got, a, they've got an app that gives them football banter and they get caught <laughs> out of it that's what it reminds me of good shout that JP
3: <laughs> Right, before you go, boys, that's the letters out of the way. But um, I thought, as I'm giving everyone who comes into the Grosso today, I'm giving them one Christmas wish, one festive hope for the new year. What would you like to have as yours, JP? VAR. Mm. I
8: want the rules around it changed. Your hand cannot be offside. I want to see cheating and simulation punished by VAR as severely as human beings who are simply following the laws of physics when they propel their body forward in <laughs> great force that sometimes their limbs will move. So I want to see that. I think it has a place, and I think there's going to be done for it, but I think the rules are going need to be changed, or it's only going to get worse.
3: The simulation thing's really interesting, because it's really difficult. No matter how many camera angles you have and replays you have, it's very difficult to prove intent, because intent's something that happens in your head. Mm. Do you mm. think it's possible to be able to work out what is and isn't a dive purely using video referees
8: probably not but I think there are there are extremities of it mm-hmm. that you can you can take it to so for example when any you Aston see Villa it... player yes <laughs> I think
7: it's a lot of it subjective with mm-hmm. um, certain people isn't it so this is it like foot this technology it can completely eradicate what people perceive as a dive or what people perceive as handball but it just needs to be clarified a little bit I think there mm-hmm. just needs to be a rule because like they've changed it already once this season haven't they mm-hmm. like that's unprecedented how can you change a rule like not even a quarter of a way through the season yeah. so it just needs to be one rule not changed it either is or it isn't
8: uh, and even stuff like you know and, and, and give the advantage I would like to see uh, the advantage being given back to the attacker rather than oh, the defender yeah for side um, Yeah, for offside. Yeah, And if if someone goes, you know, if two people go head to head and they're having an argument and someone hits the deck um, and all that kind of stuff, all all that is black and white, you know. Very much so. Matt, wrap this up
3: for us. What's your festive wish going to be?
7: Well, JP just made a great point there, but mine is pure and simple, fans back in the stadiums. I want to see Mm. four stadiums again in 2021. Football is nothing without fans for me. I still love the game of football, but I just can't get into games the way it used to without crowds in the stadiums. I mean, crowd noise, it's okay. It does its job, but there's nothing like seeing the passion of the crowd and you can see the players that feed off it. The Manchester Derby for me a couple of weeks ago was the prime example of a game that needed fans. There was no urgency from any of the players on any of the sides. It looked like a training game from start to finish and these are the games that are missing fans the most and yeah, that's that's absolutely what I want not just for football, but just for society in general just to start enjoying things again
3: There certainly seems to be some teams that have suffered more with a lack of fans in the stadiums than others I'd say my team, West Ham, have probably actually benefited there was such a negative, nasty atmosphere at the London Stadium I think getting rid of the fans has potentially helped David Moyes bed into his position a little bit more but Manchester City, I mean, they've had some troubles this season Would Yeah. You, Land any of that at the feet of the fact there have been no fans in the Etihad
7: in certain games? I can say that. Let's let's be real, man. City's atmosphere isn't the greatest, mm. I know, and it does get um fun poked at it from time to time. But when the players need a kick up the arse, as it were, um, the fans need to be there and the fans need to be being that 12th man, you know, willing them on. That's what that's what sometimes players need, unfortunately. You know, players are human and they have emotion and sometimes you need that little bit of anger, that little bit of injection of energy from people screaming at you to go that extra mile.
3: Guys, thank you very much for joining me in the grotto. I really appreciate your company. I'll let you go now. Wrap up warm because it's cold out there, but I hope your festive wishes come true and we'll see you in the new year. Take care,
8: mate. Have a good Christmas. Nice one, Jim. Have a good Christmas,
3: pal. Bye-bye. It's lovely to have so many guests visiting over Christmas Day. Living in the North Pole does have a few downsides but it does have advantages as well not having to keep those restrictions on visitors in mind is one of them even if most of the visitors to the grotto are usually reindeer anyway i'm expecting one more pair of guests to join me in the grotto and they are as red as rudolph's nose they should be turning up at any moment
2: football social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk
3: Welcome back to Football Social Daily, the Christmas special live from the Sports Social Grotto in the North Pole. We've just about got enough time for one more pair of guests to join me before I have to go and stick the festive turkey in. Or I'm a vegetarian nowadays, so tofu, I suppose that should be, which may be the most depressing thing that's happened in 2020. Anyway, Anyway, is that the door? That's good timing. Let's see who's there look who it is it's our kid and jay motor said how you doing boys good mate good how
9: are you what do you think of the grotto i'm loving it i'm loving the setup here mate and not you know you've, you've gone all out you've got to go all out at christmas haven't you yeah yeah 100% <laughs> unfortunately right.
3: yeah right well let's, have a, let's, let's do this i've got some i've got some gifts for you i, I notice you've not got any gifts for me that's fine i'm sure they're in the post and i want you to unwrap the gifts and then we'll talk about what's inside is that okay of course it is do either, if you want to sit on my knee while we do this. I've been CIB. We'll just move on, shall we? Uh, <laughs> right, David. Here's the um, here's the first gift. You you unwrap it, and I'll tell everyone what's inside it. Okay. So these are all appropriate for you two as a pair of Manchester United fans. They're all kind of gifts I've thought about. What you've got in there, you'll notice, it's a book on how to be a PE teacher. <laughs> but it's written in Norwegian (laughs) Shots fired (laughs) What do you think that might be about? Uh,
0: Is is that the life and times of Oli Solskjaer the manager?
3: Well I think you're pretty spot on there it is about Solskjaer and I think there's only one big talking point for Manchester United at the moment and that is the future and the present of the current manager now I know you guys have got Completely different views on this one. So I'll ask you first, Dave. What do you make of Solskjaer? Is he still the right man for Manchester United? Was he ever the right man for Manchester United?
0: I I think he was the right man when he was a caretaker coach and he should have gone at the end of that season. Did a great job taking over from Mourinho, which was evident in the results, but I just don't see any progression. Considering the money that's been spent, uh, I know where we are in the league table, but I think that as us compared to the sort of football that we've been playing. So no, I, I'm not overwhelmed with him. I know, I know Jay uh, is a little bit more supportive, but no, I, I just think he's the wrong man for the job. So you've got the different view
3: Jay you, you, I mean he is a Manchester United hero and that's obviously bought him a little bit of time in the job but is that what convinces you he's the right man or are you seeing something on the pitch that a lot
9: of people aren't? I get where Scott is coming from because some of the results this season haven't been good enough but there's, there's a few reasons why I'd give Oli time I, unlike Scott I can see certain improvements I like some of the youngsters he's bought through like Brandon Williams and Mason Greenwood and the way he's handled them I think the fact he finished third last season it wasn't amazing but I think that should give him another season least and i think also as well his signings have by and large been positive signings have been good signings you know bruno fernandez has been probably the most, uh, the best post fergie signing already and he's only been here for what 28 30 games whatever it is so i do think we're, we're sort of moving in the right direction and i don't want to sort of avoid the question because i am backing all but i think no matter what happens with the manager it's what's above him that needs to change because we're a bit of a mess to be honest with you
3: But that's not going to change, is it? You're not going to get a new director, you're not going to get a director of football in, although that's been talked about for ages. The owners certainly aren't going to change.
9: No, the owners aren't going to change. I think you're right, they're making too much money. But I think the likes of Ed Woodward and Matt Judge, I think if they keep sacking managers, sooner or later, they're going to have to move on. Because I think the fans... Aren't going to stomach it Forever and you know They've already had a lot Of criticism and you Look at the managers We've had Louis van Gaal One of the most Successful managers in You know the last 30-40 years Jose Mourinho I think What the second most Successful manager That's working today They both failed Ultimately at Manchester United so you have to Look at you know What's going wrong If it's not just the Managers so no I get Where you're coming From the the, the owners are Going nowhere but I Think if we do keep Going through managers Then sooner or later The executive vice Chairman or whatever He calls himself is Going to have to go With him
3: Who comes in David For you if Solskjaer does get the boot, and I think it's a big if, to be honest with you, because he's been under pressure since he came into the job virtually, and it just seems like he's a little bit bulletproof in terms of actually getting the bullet. But who comes in for you if he does go?
0: Obviously, the, the name that I was shouting about was uh, Pochettino, and I think that before Solskjaer got the job uh, after Mourinho. I think everybody was asking for Pochettino to take over from from uh, Jose. So I think he'd be the obvious person to, to maybe come in to, to United after that. Well I mean just to go back to, to what Jay was saying about Fernandez. Uh, I I think Fernandez is probably safe. Solskjaer's job you're saying that he's bulletproof but I don't think Solskjaer would still be in a job if it wasn't for the Fernandez signing. Now is that is has is Fernandez making an impact because of how he's being coached or just because of of, of the sort of player that he is
9: Um I don't think he's necessarily come in and Oli's coached him. I think Fernandez is a phenomenal player um, and all he has got him playing in a system that suits him and gets the best out of him. Um, and, uh, you know, I hear this argument a lot of, if it wasn't for Fernandez, you know, then Oli would, would, wouldn't be in a job. And I think, you know, you might be right, but we have got Fernandez, and Oli did sign him and he is in a job.
0: When you're talking about his, his players uh, doing well, though, Jay, I think we, we had like £200 million defence against... Um, was it Leipzig the other week? And they were absolutely terrible. Some of the, uh, You can talk about Greenwood going forward and some of the younger players. But at the back, we've been shipping goals left, right
9: and centre, haven't we, mate? Yeah, well, you know, we didn't have a good game against Leipzig and there's no denying that and our defence was bad. But I was looking If you went back in time, would I sign those players? And I'll be honest with you, Harry Maguire's had a pelter's and we overpaid for him but I think he's been a good signing, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, and I've had these arguments on social media, and we did overpay for him, and he wasn't worth 80 million, but I think he's been a good signing for Manchester United. I think Aaron wan who's not having the best spell, but overall has been a good signing, you know, and okay, that's 130 million quid's worth of defence there, or whatever, and the rest of it, I think, was, was, was brought before him, but by and large, I think his signings have been positive ones, they've been good ones, and he's not just, you know, people say about Oli, oh, he spent X amount of money, but he's brought in money as well, you know, he's moved on the likes of Romelu, the who again, there's this is revisionism. Lukaku, or well, you know, he scored goals at United, he should have gone. He was awful. He's, he's he was an about, embar- you know, there was memes about him, Benny Hill music, constantly. I guess the
3: question is, Jay, do you give him another, do you give Solskjaer another 130 million quid? Because that's what needs to happen, right? There needs to be more investment in the
9: squad. Well, you know, we're going about, all. all, all he spent all this money, spent all this money. We finished level on points with Chelsea and then went out and spent 200 million quid and we spent a quarter of that. Do you know what I mean? And then we wonder why we're behind him. And I think that if, you, if you've got real aspirations of winning a title, you've got to spend money. You have. You know, City have spent more money than we have. Liverpool spent more money than we have. And they've got better teams. Whether you're a Poch fan, of which I'm not a particular fan of, or an only one, you, you, you can't have a man, no manager is going to get us to win a title without spending a minimum of 200 million quid. It's just not going to happen. That's modern football and you've got players that are bang average going for about 40 million nowadays. So if you want the, sort of the top levels, you're going to have to spend in, in excess of 50 million per player.
3: Let's open up another present and probably another can of worms as well. So you can open this one, Jay. Go on, get that open.
9: <laughs> I've opened it, yeah.
3: You've got, a, you've got a VHS copy of the funniest refereeing gaffs ever there, presented by Nick Hancock obviously. obviously so what do you reckon that relates
9: to the funniest refereeing gaffes ever on VHS on, v- on, v- on VHS Graham Paul's got to be in there has he for his three <laughs> yellow cards in the World Cup
3: you're missing the obvious clue video it's about VAR, it's been the big talking point again. Sorry mate, I'm not it's
9: early doors for me this. I'm not usually up before one o'clock in the afternoon.
3: <laughs> so go on, VAR.
9: I love you VAR, know? there's no gaps in VAR, mate. It's 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 amazing. Genuinely,
3: are you a supporter? because I, I, I they're few and far between supporters of VAR. Christmas goodwill and
9: everything. <laughs> I think VAR is like anything, isn't it I mean we, we United have had some decisions that have gone our way. We've had a few penalties um, that weren't given until VAR looked in. We had a we, we got a win after the ninety-fifth minute fantasy uh, after the full-time whistle, sorry. After um, incredible, yeah, which has never happened before. And Oli Gunnersolja is in his job, regardless of whether you're Oli in or out, because of VAR. Because if we didn't get that VAR decision in Paris eighteen months ago and whoever it was, he wouldn't have got the job. That was more or less what what got him the permanent manager's job. So I think you know you take the rough with this smooth, but I don't mind it. The one issue I've got with VAR is I know it's not affected us recently, but when you're at the game waiting after a goal for the VAR decision kills it. It kills the atmosphere, and if we are going to persist with VAR, then we need to get a turnaround quicker and I think, you know, maybe set a time limit on it and say, listen, have a look here, you've got 30 seconds make your mind up, because let's face facts, before VAR, you, you only had real time as a referee or a linesman so, you know, give the, the powers that be 30 seconds or whatever to look at it and then move on, because sitting there in the stands or standing in the stands waiting for two minutes to know whether you can celebrate a goal it's not what football's about, is it?
3: I've never been a big fan of VAR. I didn't want it introduced in the first place. I didn't really think there was a massive problem with decisions being got wrong. It was kind of part of the game. And one of the things I loved about football was the fact that the game that was played in the Premier League with 11 men at Old Trafford or whatever it was, was exactly the same as the game that's played down the park with 11 lads on a field. And it's kind of another separator between the professional game and the grassroots game. For me, that's why I didn't like it. But there have been mistakes, David. It's certainly not working to its full potential. Would you keep it or would you scrap it?
0: Oh, no, I know, I definitely scrap it. And I think that the majority of football fans would not begrudge the FA if they held their hands up and said, listen, we tried, we want to try and improve the game for decisions and stuff, but it's not worked. And I'm like you, Jim, I, I much prefer the, the human element. Uh, I like going to the pub afterwards and having arguments because you couldn't see the replay or either, well, there wasn't a. A video uh, decision and then arguing the point. I, mean, I remember being at Old Trafford when uh, I think Drogba scored against United and he was miles offside. Um, but you know it, it, should, it, it should never have been given but that's sort a human element. And like you said when you, when you go down to watch Sunday League and stuff. It is that sort of affinity of, of the game and um, I, I just think that he's it, it, lost a hell of a lot of stuff by bringing in these uh, video assistant referees.
3: Right, final gift. You can open this one David. Get, get your hands in that. So what you've, what you've got there is a bottle of hair dye, a set of hair clippers and a really annoying football agent. So, I'll be honest with you, I ran out of ideas a little bit with the last game.
0: <laughs> so, what are we seen talking gray, about? I thought you see my grey beard by, <laughs> by the, by the by
3: <laughs> We're all a little bit greyer after the last 12 months. So, what are we saying there? I mean, it's obviously Paul Pogba. He's been the subject of debate. In the last couple of months, we've had his agent coming out and saying that it's time at Manchester United. It's over. It seems to me, Jay, that a lot of United fans are losing patience.
9: <sighs> yeah, it's funny because when you said the big talking point before, I thought you were going to say, Paul Pogba, because it's just been non-stop on it recently it's more uh, a circus than a talk. yeah it is. well it's not even recently this goes back i remember 2012 when he before he went to juventus and it was you know the dominating the papers was he gonna stay was he gonna go obviously he went now we're back again mino riola seems to do these daily statements Almost, you know, he keeps coming out with this about Paul Pogba wants to go and all the rest of it. Listen, Pogba said he wanted to leave um, two summers ago. He said he wanted a new challenge. Didn't get a move, he stuck around. But I think we're kidding ourselves if we think we can keep him. He wants to go. Just let him go. Let him go. Just try. My only sort of concern is that we reinvest the money in a squad rather than the Glazers. <laughs>
3: Scotty, does he offer enough to the team to warrant even trying to hang on to him?
0: Not really. I've, I, I've just found the whole saga boring, and if you just take away even the sound bites that, that his age has given us, I just don't think he's, he's demonstrated enough on the pitch to, to warrant a place in the starting eleven. We've let better players go to go to Everton. I can't see where um, I, I can't see where Pogba goes after United, and we, we United certainly won't recoup the, the ninety million. I think it's probably worth more for branding purposes and merchandise for, for another club than he is for, um, for, for, but for he, but what he's even, offered on the he pitch
3: worth that much in terms of merchandise and branding now? It's seems to have fallen so much.
0: Well, I, I, the thing is now, I, I think Pogba sort of uh, emulates and sort of demonstrates what the modern football fan is, and because um, a lot of younger younger fans follow players as much as they do football clubs, and Pogba's got a massive following, so, so I imagine you know, he'll ship merchandise and also sponsorship deals and stuff like that, and that's not to that's not take away from his talent, because the boy is obviously a very, very gifted footballer, but like Jay said, he's wanted to leave for two seasons. He's never. He, I mean, his highlight reel for when he leave, when he eventually leaves Man United will be what thirty seconds. I can only pinpoint a game at Everton and uh, the game at City where we stopped them winning the league against us. But apart Golden from that, goal scored I against Milot was all right. Yeah, yeah, no, no yeah. I mean, that, that was a great goal, but I don't, I don't, I don't think overall that like, he's actually shone enough to warrant ninety million or the headache that comes with him.
3: Boys, thank you very much. Happy Christmas. Pleasure to have you on the Christmas special. Obviously, you can hear you guys talking on the sports social podcast, Premier League Daily, every single day, another podcast tackling the news in the Premier League, but you've got your own pod as well.
9: Yeah, Scotty and Marty, where we talk about not just football, but news, politics, all sort. And, you you know, you might have noticed me and Scotty do like to chat and and run and have a bit of a (laughs) round out again, so...
3: (laughs) nice one boys Merry Christmas
9: Merry Christmas shut the door on the way out don't
3: let the the heat out
9: (laughs) see ya see you later mate see you later
3: Ah, lovely to have Jay and Scotty popping in to talk Manchester United and wrap up this very festive football social daily I mean it might have sounded like they were on the phone and not in the grotto but I assure you 100% they're in the sports social grotto that is it for this Christmas special Football Social Daily is with you right the way through the Christmas period. There is football to talk about, so we will be here to talk about it every single day, including a few more specials to come as well. Click subscribe now so you never miss an episode. And as your gift to another football fan, why not turn them onto Football Social? Get them listening in the new year and join the army of over 1.2 million listeners that listened over the last 12 months. Have yourself a brilliant Christmas and a happy new year, and we'll see you soon on Football Social Daily.
5: Football
1: Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.